informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and it's so good to be on with you today. Today is Tuesday, April 25th, 2023. It's the Feast of St. Mark the Evangelist. St. Mark the Evangelist was celebrated on April 25th. He was from the tribe of Levi, baptized by St. Peter, and instructed by him in the Christian faith. Mark would follow Peter to Rome, and he preached the gospel in the city with him. The faithful asked Mark to write the life of our Lord according to the account of St. Peter. And so Mark wrote the narrative based on what he had heard from Peter. Peter proved it to be read by all the faithful, and later Peter sent Mark to Alexandria, where he was the first to preach the word of God. Simon, an old Jew who witnessed the labors of Mark in that city, said an enormous multitude converted there as a consequence of the apostolate of St. Mark. St. Peter Damien wrote that God gave St. Mark a special grace by which all the people he converted in Alexandria took up monastic customs. St. Peter consecrated him a bishop of Alexandria, and in this city the zeal of St. Mark attracted the hatred of the priest of the false gods. They seized him when he was saying mass and tied a rope around his neck, dragging him through the city like an animal to slaughter. His body was lacerated, his blood stained the roads, and in prison he was consoled by an angel, and our Lord visited him, saying, Peace be with you, O Mark, my disciple and my evangelist. Fear nothing, because I am near you. The next day, the pagan priest again dragged him through the streets, and he died, saying, Into thy hands I commend my spirit. The air became turbulent, and lightning and thunder broke through the sky. His disciples were able to collect and piously bury his remains. St. Mark's conversion of many people of Alexandria was a stark contrast to the dissolute and exorbitant way of life of the local social elites. St. Mark the Evangelist, pray for us praise be to god i had to read that uh, whole thing because i found a collection of his different uh hagiographies from the early time and i was like this has to, I've, I've never heard anybody talk about this so it was very very cool i thought it was uh, pretty awesome to learn a little bit about saint mark the evangelist but joining us right now on doing the production work is tito edwards good morning to you tito Good morning, Adrian. Yeah, that was a nice passage. Thank you for reading that. That was uh, very nice for this morning. Today's Tuesday, and uh, another great day in God's green earth, as a famous commentator would say. And uh, glad to be here with you, Adrian. Yeah, praise be to God. You know, I was listening to uh, Dave Ramsey yesterday, and I love how he says, whenever people ask him, Hey, Dave, how are you doing? He says, uh, better than I deserve. And I think that's a great thing, because, you know, when we don't deserve anything, we deserve uh, the torments of hell, but yet God has allowed us to walk this earth and work at our salvation and fear and trembling. What a grace that he has given us, I think. Uh, here we have, at 15 past the hour, the, we're going to talk about the Pontifical Academy for Life president calling medically assisted suicide feasible. Well, that's very concerning. It's weird how the Pontifical Academy for Life is promoting death. Seems contradictory. At 30 past the hour, we have some good news out of Texas and Michigan. And uh, we're going to, you know, whenever where there's good news, it is always followed by bad news. <laughs> so <laughs> so we're going to have uh, some uh, other news that comes out. We're going to revisit the story about the churches in, 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 sorry, the 
St. John Laterans in Rome being used by Anglican priests. We're going to revisit that story because some more information has come out about it that I think would be worthy of discussion. So we're going to bring that up again. But first, we'll start off with some good news out of Texas, Michigan. It's always good to uh, get some good news in there that it's uh, to revitalize us. Plus, there is a major call to action that you can do today that can benefit us. And not us here in uh, the GRN, but of course, that too. But I mean, to benefit us in terms of society, there are things that we can do there. So that's something that we should definitely keep our eyes on. So let's begin with prayer. We're going to be praying for whatever it is that you have on your hearts, whatever it is that you have going on in your life. We're going to be praying for that. We pray for our friends, our family, our benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for. We pray the Vini Sancti Spiritus, as it is April, dedicated to the Holy Ghost. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Oremus, O God, who taught the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Ghost, Grant that by the gift of the same Spirit we may be always truly wise and ever rejoice in its consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Tuesday, April 25th, and these are your headlines. And boy, do we have them this morning. Catholic News Agency has reported a professor at a Catholic seminary in Louisiana lost his job after it was discovered that he had gone on a social media to offer his services as a pilot to women wishing to travel to states where abortion is legal. Greg Williams, a former Greek and Latin professor at St. Joseph Seminary College, posted on his Facebook account just days following the overturning of Roe v. Wade that he would be available to fly women across state lines. Abortion is legal in Illinois, New Mexico, and Virginia, where Williams offered to fly the women. Louisiana, where the seminary is located, has a near-total ban on the procedure. Catholic News Agency has reported Anglicans in Africa reject Archbishop of Canterbury for supporting same-sex union blessings. The meeting of global Anglicans voiced no confidence in the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, and called on him and the Church of England to repent of their decision. Catholic News Agency has reported Pontifical Academy for Life responds to outcry over Archbishop Paulia's assisted suicide comments. The Italian prelate statement that legalized assisted suicide is, quote, feasible, end quote, refers to a specific proposed law in Italy, the Vatican Academy said. Monday's statement by the Vatican said, Paglia reiterates his no towards euthanasia and assisted suicide in full adherence to the magisterium. My note, we'll, lo- we'll talk more later. And finally... Breitbart News has reported Fox News suddenly announced it would part ways with opinion anchor and commentator Tucker Carlson, who hosted the highly rated Tucker Carlson Tonight. The separation came as a surprise yesterday morning. It is unknown why Fox News and Carlson parted ways. In April 2020, the Tucker Carlson Tonight program surpassed Hannity as the highest rated primetime cable show, averaging an audience of 4.56 million viewers. In the second quarter of 2020, the show saw an average of audience of 4.33 million viewers. That was the largest number of viewers for any program in the history of cable news. 
According to Mediate, in 2022, Carlson was the number one watched host among Democrats in the key 25 to 54 age Democrat demographic across all networks in the month of October. Those are your headlines this morning. May God bless you all. The Gospel of the Day comes from Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 20. And he said to them, Go out all over the world and preach the gospel to the whole of creation. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who refuses belief will be condemned. Where believers go, these signs shall go with them. They will cast out devils in my name. They will speak in tongues that are strange to them. They will take up serpents in their hands and drink poisonous droughts without harm. They would lay their hands upon the sick and make them recover. And so the Lord Jesus, when he had finished speaking to them, was taken up to heaven and is seated now at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord aiding them and attesting his word by the miracles that went with them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Here, Cornelius Alapde had a lot to say, of course. On verse 4, 15, he says, And he said unto them, Go ye into the whole world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He said this not on Easter day, when he appeared to the eleven, as they sat at meat, but afterwards, when he showed himself to them and others on a mountain of Galilee, as it is said in St. Matthew, in verse chapter 28, verse 16. Or it may be that he committed this chief and peculiar office of preaching to the gospel's to the apostles more than once. I think that's probably most likely that he repeated this over and over again. Go ye into the whole world, that is to say, not into Judea only, as ye have done hitherto, but up and down in all directions throughout the world. So they went to the furthest that they could possibly go, though they didn't make it to America. And though I think uh, the Mormons think they did. And verse 16 he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. This saying of Christ is abused to support their heresies, first by the Lutherans, to prove that faith alone without good works is sufficient to salvation. But I reply that the meaning of Christ, as Euthymius and others have observed, is he that believeth, he that believing in Christ and receiving his baptism, has been washed from his sins, imbued with the grace of God, and sanctified. He shall be saved. Understand, if he die in that state, retaining the grace of God even unto death. But it is impossible for the baptized to continue in a state of grace if they do not do those good works which the law of Christ commands. Also, in the name of faith or faith and baptism as the prime requisites, and which at the beginning of the church were chiefly to be inculcated, inculcated upon the Gentiles. All the other things consequent upon them must be understood, such as hope, charity, and good works, as I have shown linkedly in the introduction of St. Paul's epistles. Now, what is he saying here? He's saying, Luther says, this, this proves that all you need is faith alone. Whereas Cornelius Alapide, uh, defending the Catholic position, says, of course this is wrong. What our Lord here is saying is, one, he's not saying just faith. He's saying you must believe and be baptized. So you have to be baptized. And then two, that this means that you are saved currently, that you are cleansed of your original sin, and now you are in a state of sanctifying grace. But should you leave sanctifying grace, then you are no longer saved. It's a, not a very complicated 
situation. Here, he gives a second example. He says, second, the Anabaptists infer from the saying of Christ that little children must not be baptized because they cannot believe. But I answer, Christ is here speaking of adults, for only adults are able to believe, and all the preceding words apply to adults only. That little children ought to be baptized is plain from the perpetual tradition and practice of the church and from the words of St. John in 3.5, Verily, verily, I say unto you, unless any one of you be born of water and the Holy Ghost, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So clearly we see that the uh, that our Lord, when he's speaking here, he's speaking to adults. He's speaking to adults, so he's giving advice to adults. But we know, because we know from the very beginning, from Acts of the Apostles, whenever entire households are baptized, that babies have always been baptized in the church. It is only the later tradition, that uh, these traditions of men who reject and children baptism. St. Augustine adds and reiterates in various passages that these words of Christ do refer to infants also in a measure, for as they sin by the will of Adam, not their own, so likewise they believe by the faith of the church and their parents, or those who present them for baptism, not by their own. Now, lastly, he brings up the Calvinist. He says, the Calvinists gather from these words of Christ that baptism is not necessary for salvation, but that faith only is sufficient because of it alone, they say, Christ subjoins, but he that believeth shall not shall be condemned. I reply that under the word believe, i.e. faith, baptism must be understood, which is the sacrament of faith, as well as all those other things which spring forth and follow faith. As I have just said, for Mark's studying brevity, left it to the reader to gather from what he had said immediately previously that these must be understood or shall not be baptized. For otherwise, the antithesis would be imperfect. So complete it with a must read as follows. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not or is not baptized shall be condemned. For that baptism is necessary for salvation is plain from the words of Christ in St. John 3, 5, as is already cited. So here, Cornelius Lapide destroys the Calvinist, the Lutherans, and the Anabaptists all in one verse. Uh, it's pretty amazing that he uh, is able to weave that together so well. But it's so clear. It's so clear. I, I think it's also kind of funny. He's like, look, you have to read the sentence immediately before, and it becomes very clear that, of course, our Lord is saying, we have to believe and be baptized and that's how we are saved so if you haven't gotten your children baptized go do so and if you yourself are not baptized well hurry up go get baptized we'll be right back with more hey donnie who was the first pope to whom jesus said you are the rock upon which i will build my church saint peter and who is the current pope pope francis as parents we're the primary educators of our catholic faith to our children and if you don't know your catholic faith as well as you should that's okay just tune in daily to the guadalupe radio network by logging online to grnonline.com the guadalupe radio network listen learn love and pass it on 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. I would imagine your pastor preaches from the text which says, We preach Jesus Christ crucified. So then, where's the crucifix in your church? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history. Under the dread of persecution and death, the crucifix was displayed at Mass, but with great caution due to the threats of the Roman emperors and the pagan haters of Christianity. Traveling up through time, Pope Pius V in 1570 made it mandatory to display a crucifix in every church. Secondly, the Bible. 1 Corinthians 1. One says, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block. You see, there was never any embarrassment of his corpse. In fact, two men of great renown, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, boldly handled the dead body of Jesus. And thirdly, my comeback. You see, at times, the early church held mass in the catacombs to honor the shed blood of the brave martyrs. Sad to say, many contemporary churches don't even have a cross in their church, let alone a crucifix. Also, could a crucifix on your neck cause others to think you are Catholic? St. Peter, it must have been horrible when you heard that rooster crow. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be here with you today. It's always good to be here on Catholic Radio. And des- definitely during this Easter season. So make sure that throughout the Easter season, every chance you get, you say, Christ is risen. Alleluia. Truly, he is risen. Alleluia. And maybe that's the way you should uh, wake up your kids every morning during the Easter season. Just say, Christ is risen, hallelujah, and tell them your uh, way you respond is, truly, he is risen, hallelujah. There you go. There you go. Kind of reminds me whenever I was uh, in the novitiate with the Dominicans, they would uh, knock on our doors every morning at like five in the morning, four in the morning. Oh and we'd hear a, Benedictamus Domino, and we'd have to respond, Deo gratias. Uh, which means, uh, blessed be the name of the Lord. And then we respond, thanks be to God. Nice. And I got to admit, saying thanks be to God for getting wake, woken up at early in the morning was <laughs> was kind of painful. You're like, you're like, oh, thanks be to God. And so that's how, kind of how it went. Psychological reprogramming. There you go. There you go. So we're discussing this uh, out of this pivoting completely. Uh, this uh, We're just pivoting over to this LifeSite news article put out the headline is pontifical academy for life tries to clarify archbishop paglia's troubling assisted suicide comments now this is a very concerning story it's very strange that the person who is in charge of the pontifical academy for life is promoting death Uh, it seems contradictory to me but i'll let you be the decision maker after we go through this article so the headlines the story goes archbishop vincenzo paglia President of the Pontifical Academy for Life has been forced to issue a new statement after he delivered the public comments supporting euthanasia last week. Archbishop Vincenzo Paglias, president of the Pontifical Academy for Life, reiterates his no towards euthanasia and assisted suicide in full adherence to the magisterium. Reads an April 24th press release from the Academy for Life. The official English translation is found here, and so uh, you can go find it at the Lifeside article, the link the full statement that Paglia put out, very short. Basically, he's saying, look, I agree with whatever the church teaches. Well, I don't actually, but but I'm going to say that I do. That's basically what he says. Here is uh, some background information. The statement was issued after news broke of a recent intervention made by Paglia during a conference last week, during which he defended euthanasia. 
The Pagli's text, published on April 23rd, caused a storm online with numerous commentators slant, uh, slating Paglia and calling the Archbishop comments deeply scandalous. We're getting a lot of scandalous, scandalous things out of Rome recently. Paglia had stated that, personally, I would not practice suicide assistance, but I understand that legal meditation mediation may be the greatest common good concretely possible under the conditions we find ourselves in. Now, tell me, does that sound to you like, oh, I'm personally opposed to abortion, but I, I respect the women's right to choose? That sounds exactly like that. It sounds exactly like that. It's, it's almost verbatim. It's kind of, kind of amusing in the sense that it's uh, almost verbatim what the uh, pro-choice uh, people make about the killing of unborn children. He's making for killing elderly people and people who are sick and suffering. Yeah. Very, very concerning to hear this from an archbishop of the church. And it uh, makes me think, you know, what, what is going on in, uh, in Rome? He, he's made a similar mis so-called mistake of a couple of years ago in a somewhat similar situation. He's, he's also uh, promoted and pushed really uh, highly questionable art in sculptures and in paintings. Uh, it, where it, it is perversion on display disguised as, as religious or s s sacral art. And it is very, it is disturbing to me. I do, I personally do not uh, believe what he is saying. He, this has happened one too many times. This is, this is not some, this is not something of something lost in translation because we've, we've gotten some uh, Italian priest friends of mine were reading what he said in Italian and it is ex verbatim, as you mentioned earlier, from the Italian into English. There's no plausible equivalence of words here. We've not seen mistakes like these ever since this pontificate began. So, uh, there's there's no gray area here. He, he that was not done by mistake. So many people would try to tell me that uh, you know it's I talk too much about theology, philosophy. Just you just lay, just tell her what it is, tell it how it is. Don't get into the weeds. And I think that's completely incorrect because theology has consequences. Philosophy has consequences. If you have bad philosophy and bad theology, it's inevitable that. Our children and ourselves are going to be all lost. Correct. And this uh, comes out because in this article, he says that here that Archbishop Paglia also cited Pope Francis' change to promote a teaching on the death penalty, saying that while before we did not exclude that there were circumstances for which it could be legitimatized, today we no longer consider it permissible under any circumstance. Hmm. So Pope Francis attempting to change the church's teaching on the death penalty seems to have caused other people to say, huh, I guess church teaching can change. So maybe capital or maybe the euthanasia was wrong in the past, but now we have a deeper understanding of the suffering of man. And so I think it's okay in certain circumstances to kill people who are sick, suffering or elderly. This is what happens when you have bad theology. This is what happens when you have bad philosophy. It is very, very impactful. It goes on highlighting accompaniment. Paglia stated that such accompaniment requires a great deal of work on oneself, not only on a personal level, but also on a social and cultural one, on one's being in solidarity with the limit and the separation and passage of death. 
He next pointed to a 2019 ruling in the Italian Constitutional Court, which partially decriminalized euthanasia by outlining exceptions to its illegality. Now, this is a great lesson for people who want to say that laws don't matter, that the voting doesn't matter, that all these things in the in the secular world does not matter. It does matter because a law is a teacher. It's it said there's I think it was who Breitbart who said um, that culture is down or or politics is downstream of culture. Yeah. Well, he's right, but the the inverse is also true. Culture is downstream of politics because our laws shape our beliefs. The reason why we make something illegal to begin with is because it is wrong. And so we're saying just by the fact that we have laws banning certain things is that there is an objective morality that we can enforce. And so by legalizing something, we are sending a message to the populace. This is not wrong to do. This is something that is okay. It is permissible. We are allowing it. Therefore, it is moral because it is implicit in banning something that it is an immoral act. Why? So every single argument, every single law can be reduced down to a moral law. So, for instance, why do we have speeding laws? Well, because they would say um, if you're going too fast in a school zone, you may kill someone. So what you're doing is immoral. It is a moral argument. Every single law we have is a moral argument. You may disagree whether or not a law is, in fact, correctly moral, but it is, in fact, a declaration of morality. And so when we say that, oh, we're going to decriminalize euthanasia, well, what does that do? That tells the populace, well, euthanasia is not really wrong. It's not actually murder because, remember, murder is illegal. And so if I commit euthanasia, euthanasia can't be murder because it's legal. And murder is already illegal. So that's very, very important to keep in mind. Like I said, theology, politics have consequences. Now, Pogli attempts to back down or double down. He goes on in the article, following swift media coverage, Pogli's statements, which came in direct contradiction of church teaching on euthanasia, the PAV issued a statement likely aimed at a form of damage control. However, far from denouncing Pogli's words and affirming Catholic teaching, they supported its uh, the PAV supported its president, referencing the 242 2019 court ruling, which Paglia had spoken about. The PAV stated in its context of the ruling uh, that Paglia had made his comments in this precise and specific context. Monsignor Paglia explained that in his opinion, a, a legal mediation, certainly not a moral one, and the direction indicated by the sentence is possible. Maintaining the crime in the condition under which it is decriminalized, as the same constitutional court has asked Parliament to legislate. The PAV added that Paglia deemed it important that the Senate states that the crime remains as such and is not abolished. Any further consideration is misleading. Additionally, the PAV declared that on scientific and cultural level, Monsignor Paglia has always advocated the need for accompaniment toward the sick in the terminal phase of life based on palliative care and proximity, that no one is left alone in the face of illness and suffering and the difficult decisions they entail. Well, of course, that's good. However, the PAV statement did not address the statement made by its president. Pogli had spoken about the accompaniment needing for the dying and continued to say that in this context, it is not to be ruled out that in our society, a legal mediation is feasible. 
He did not appear to be simply referencing the existence of the partially decriminalized euthanasia law, but actively promoting them, albeit while stating that he would not practice assisted suicide personally. Remember, he said, personally, I would not practice suicide assistance, but I understand that legal mediation may be the greatest common good concretely possible in the conditions we find ourselves in. This is very, very concerning, something that we should definitely keep our eyes on because if the group that says that they are the ones to fight for life, who are to represent the Catholic position on life, keeps compromising on life, how long before this becomes the norm? It's very frustrating, especially for people in the pro-life movement. Many of us in the pro-life movement, we have been fighting for life. We've been going out to abortion clinics. We've been speaking out against these things. We talk about it with our friends. And oftentimes we get feedback and pushback saying, oh, well, this cardinal said this or that cardinal said that or this bishop said this or this priest said that. And it's exhausting. But we always could look and say, well, the Pontifical Academy for Life which is the official spokesman of the Vatican on this topic, says this. And so that's what we're going to go with. Not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. But maybe this is a blessing. Maybe this is a blessing because this will help us recognize that these uh, Vatican and church groups are not infallible. That these Vatican and church groups are, in fact, run by men. And so we can recognize, hey, if these groups, if these organizations start teaching things against the faith, well, maybe that's a good thing. So we can say we have to cling to the perennial teachings of the church. We have to do research on our own. That is the cross we have to bear as Catholics in the 21st century. The cross we have to bear as Catholics in our age is that there is not clarity from the organizations that should give us clarity. And so it is up to us to go and read the old catechisms, to go and look at the teachings of the church prior to the modern era and say, what is the church always taught? And cling to that and not whatever is happening, whatever is changing, wherever the wind blows, to ignore that and cling to the perennial teaching of the church. We'll be right back with more right after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's heart, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early Church Fathers ever wrote any like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching of the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. Hi, this is Dr. David Anders from EWTN's Call to Communion. I believe that the Ministry of Catholic Radio is one of the greatest tools we have in the church for evangelism today. 
I hear from people all over the world on a daily basis who have encountered Christ in the Catholic Church for the first time by listening to Catholic Radio. Please support the ministry of Catholic Radio today. Support Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Tuesday, April 25th, the year of our Lord, 2023. And these are your headlines this morning. CatholicCulture.org and National Catholic Register has reported Ava of Lardingerbrook, a prominent young Dutch political commentator, has entered the Catholic Church, saying that her arguments against vaccine mandates, along with videos of speeches by the noted author Peter Kraft, led her to the church. Quote, I started noticing that when I argued against vaccine mandates, for example, a solely utilitarian argument didn't suffice to me. End quote. Vladimir Brook said, as she dug further into moral and philosophical reasoning, she encountered Kreft's presentation, Seven Reasons Why Everyone Should Become Catholic. Quote, I watched it and I simply couldn't argue with what he said, she recalls. Catholic News Agency has reported once Papa Bile, Bishop Maker Cardinal Mark Woulet, retires. Last week, Cardinal Mark Woulet handed over the reins of the Vatican's bishop office to Bishop Robert Francis Prevost. Catholic News Agency has reported Pope Francis says he wants to visit Argentina next year. Since his election to the papacy in 2013, Francis, Francis has never returned to his home country of Argentina. In a March interview with La Nación, he explained that a trip to Argentina had been planned in 2017 but had to be canceled because of elections. The Pope does not travel to a country in an election year in order to avoid the appearance of trying to influence the election. And finally, Vatican News has reported hundreds of Armenians have marched through Yerevan, Armenia to mark the anniversary of the Armenian Genocide. Today marks the 108th anniversary of the Armenian Genocide where one and a half million Armenians were killed between 1915 and 1923 by the Ottoman Empire. The commemoration takes place every year and it ends with crowds carrying torches to Armenian Genocide Memorial Complex. I'm Tito Edwards and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. You know, I had mentioned that we we're going to have some good news out of Texas and Michigan, and so I want to deliver on that promise. So praise be to God. We're going to get into a couple good news stories. I am very happy to report. And something that you yourself can do to get involved in this good news story. So let's start with Texas. First in Texas, because, you know, we live in the great state of Texas. I love my home country, Texas, I mean, state of Texas. <laughs> remember the uh, Alamo. <laughs> and uh, just remember, if you, every time you visit the Alamo, make sure you find out, uh, you go check out the basement there. So <laughs> that's where the pool is. Exactly. Exactly. And one day I will be king of Texas. So everybody just keep that in mind. Um, I accepting the, so whenever you go vote, just write in Adrian for king. And there you go. All right. So the story goes, uh, officials have passed a bill requiring that the Bible's Ten Commandments be displayed in every public school classroom. Senate Bill 1515, which recently passed the Senate by a vote of 17 to 12, mandates that every public elementary or secondary school prominently display a durable copy or framed copy of the Ten Commandments that is at least 16 inches wide and 20 inches tall. The display must also be legible to a person with average vision from anywhere in the classroom. 
The bill's sponsor, State Senator Phil King, emphasized during a committee hearing on the bill that the Ten Commandments are part of American heritage and that it is time to bring them back into the U.S. schools. He pointed out that the same language for the Ten Commandments is already displayed on the Texas and the U.S. Supreme Court grounds and that the display in schools would serve as a reminder to students of the fundamental foundation of America. Under the proposed legislation, any classroom, and here's the point that I'm pointing out about something that you could do today. Under the proposed legislation, any classroom that does not display the Ten Commandments will be required to accept any offer of a privately donated poster or framed copy that meets the display requirements. While reaction to the bill's passage was mixed and with conservatives hailing it as a victory and progressives framing it as religious indoctrination, this development in Texas is a positive step toward acknowledging, promoting the importance of faith in our schools. Okay, so what can you do? Go and buy a bunch of Ten Commandment frames and or make some, print some out, laminate them. And get the get the Catholic version of the Ten Commandments, and the uh, get those printed out and get them framed. Follow the requirements. They have to be what did I say? Sixteen by twenty inches tall, sixteen inches wide, twenty inches tall. Uh, get those printed out and bring them. Give them to your kids and say, hey, tell uh, the, your teacher to, that you need to put these up in their classroom, or go visit your school and say, hey, I want to donate all of these little stacks of Ten Commandments to the to the classroom because I guarantee you that every single one of these public schools in America in Texas are going to be like dragging their feet and saying, Oh yeah, we're gonna get around to that. Oh we didn't have the money and the budget to put up the Ten Commandments. So maybe next school year we'll put them up. But we're totally following the requirements. We just don't have the require the money to do it today. So do that today. Do that today. It's a great thing to do. Start printing these out. Get them framed. Get something nice. Get something very aesthetically pleasing. Do some research and find the right one. Uh, maybe in our private Telegram chat or maybe in the email list this Friday, I'll send out a bunch of information about uh, how that we can do this because this is a great opportunity. This is a great opportunity that we can actually change the lives of people. <laughs> Imagine your kids seeing the Ten Commandments and learning the Ten Commandments. How many kids don't even know any of the Ten Commandments? And we can have that. We can have that thou shalt have no other gods before me in the classrooms in Texas schools. This is a great victory. So let's say a prayer of thanksgiving today, and let's print these out and give these to our public schools today as soon as possible. Uh, Just keep updated on that story so that way we can be engaged in that. And people outside of Texas, why are we not doing this in every state? If you're in New Mexico, Florida, Alabama, if you're in Oklahoma, uh, why not? Why not push for these things in your state? Call your representatives. Say, hey, why don't we have the Ten Commandments in our schools? Why can we not do this? Push for this. Push for this. This would be a great opportunity. I think this is great. And right along with that good news out of Texas, here's some good news out of Michigan. Yes. Nine Michigan Republican state senators have voted to retain a nearly century-old law that prohibits unwed couples from living together, igniting a debate about modern values and family structures. In the 1931 law, which is not enforced but has implications for tax benefits, carries a penalty of up to one year in prison and a $1,000 fine. Proponents of repealing the law argue that it's outdated and discriminatory and prevents Michigan residents from claiming tax benefits available to unmarried couples in other states. Basically, they're saying here, 
they want to give rights to unmarried couples to get tax benefits and all these other things. Basically, they want to endorse cohabitation. But the Michigan Senate has upheld the law that was in place in 1931 that said that forbids cohabitation. In fact, in 1931, you could go to jail and receive a $1,000 fine for cohabitating. Now, this has not been enforced in a long time, but like we talked about in the last segment, theology and philosophy has consequences, and culture is downstream of politics. So if we have a law that says that cohabitation is wrong, it shows people that it's wrong, which is why an unenforced law, the left is trying to repeal it. If the law is not being enforced and it's not affecting anyone, why are they trying to repeal it? Well, it's because the law affects our beliefs. The law affects us. It changes the way we think, and it changes the way we believe. And so they tried to overturn it, and it was upheld. Praise be to God. So way to go, Michigan. You rock. I never thought I'd say that. Um, I don't know anything about Michigan. That's why I never thought I'd say it. Not that I have anything against Michigan. I just don't know anything about them. But the in the Michigan, so here's the problem, though. The problem is that Michigan is the only state that has these laws. The only one. No other state has it. And in fact, Florida was the last one to overturn theirs in like 2016. So cohabitation has increased by nearly 900% over the last 50 years. The Atlantic in 2014 reported cohabitation has become so common that it's almost odd not to test drive a partner before marriage. That is uh, very disgusting. And we should encourage that these laws be put back in place because these laws promote marriage and discourage these fatherless and motherless homes. So I think some good news out of uh, Michigan and Texas. Praise be to God. Yes. My goodness. That, that is wonderful news. Those nine uh, Michigan lawmakers getting the conversation started, examining ourselves as we are now in this culture. It's become so ubiqu- ubiquitous that it's without question, like, why aren't you sleeping with your or uh, cohabitating with your girlfriend or your boyfriend? And what a mark of, of counterculture it is when they when you are dating someone and, and they ask you, so when are you moving in? And you said, no, we're not. What a great conversation. What a great way to evangelize. What a great way to to uh, explain the Catholic position. And you would be amazed. And most of the time it is the women on this side of the cohabitation situation that do not agree with moving in together with their boyfriend. You'd be amazed how many of them wish they've never done that and waited even until marriage. So th- what a great time to, uh, to evangelize. Yeah, for sure. So praise be to God. Some good news out of Texas and Michigan. Let's hope and pray for more good news. And let's push for these kind of laws in your state. So if you're in Texas, we got that win. Now let's get this win, too. Let's ban cohabitation in Texas. Let's do that in all 50 states. And let's also encourage the Ten Commandments to be endorsed and to be put up in our schools all across America. What a grace that it would be to have that. And don't worry, guys. When I become king of Texas, all these things, it's going to be just default. It's going to yeah. be default. So don't even worry. It's going to happen. Don't don't fact check me. It's going to happen. But that's going to do it for this segment. When we come back, we're going to revisit the story about the Anglican saying mass or seemingly saying mass and Rome. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Because Jesus said in Matthew 23 that no one should be called rabbi, father, or teacher, I'm sure you would never call one of your teachers teacher, would you? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a Catholic no-no, calling a priest father. Well, what about Paul calling Timothy, Titus, and Onesimus his sons? No doubt his spiritual sons, but is it not proper for a spiritual son to call his spiritual father father? This reverential title should never have generated such a big point of contention. Secondly, the New Testament. In Acts 7 and Romans 9, we see the term father being used referring to Abraham and some of our great patriarchs. And my take, isn't context everything? When Jesus is speaking to the multitudes, it's oftentimes in the language and style of hyperbole. His discourse was not focused on titles or ecclesiastical guidelines. Jesus was once again warning against giving honor where honor is not due. Next time you see your pastor, just say, hey, preacher, Uh, that just seems so lacking. Hey, Donnie, in what gospel do we find the Hail Mary prayer? The gospel of Luke. Do we worship Mary? No. What do we do? Ask her to pray for us. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Praise be to God. It's good to be here with you today. Some good news we discovered. And what follows good news but uh, bad news. <laughs> so we're going to uh, be talking again about this story out of Rome where St. John Lateran, they allowed Anglicans to say a simulacrum of the Holy Mass at St. John Lateran's in St. John Lateran, for those who don't know, is the church in Rome which houses the seat of St. Peter. And so St. Peter's and the St. Peter's Basilica is actually not the church of the Pope, even though it kind of seems like it is. It's kind of the public perception. The church of the Pope is St. John Lateran's, and that's where the actual chair of St. Peter resides. And that is the symbol of unity of the church. It is a symbol of who is in communion with the church. So it is very concerning that we see the Anglicans being allowed to say their mockery of the Mass in St. John Lateran's. The reason why this is also concerning is because Pope Leo XIII in 1896 declared that all Anglican holy orders are invalid. They said here in his uh, encyclical or his uh, apostolic constitution, Apostolicae Curiae, there we go. (laughs) And then considering that this matter, although already decided, had been by certain persons for whatever reason recalled into discussion, and that thence it might allow, it might follow that a pernicious error would be fostered in the minds of many who might suppose that they possess the sacrament and effects of holy orders where these are no wise to be found. It seems good to us in the Lord to pronounce our judgment. Wherefore, strictly adhering in this matter to the decrees of the pontiffs, our predecessors and confirming them most fully. And as it were renewing them by our authority of our own initiative and certain knowledge we pronounce and declare that ordinations carried out according to the Anglican rite have been 
and are absolutely null and utterly void. So there you go. I mean, that is as clear a definition as possibly can be. Wouldn't it be great if, if popes today talked like that? That would be so wonderful if popes today, as in plural, like it's been happening since right. this one. <laughs> so it's good that he declared that. And so, but this is a very big deal. This is why it's a big deal, because what they're doing here is not, it's, it's not that they're saying a, a illicit mass. It's saying that they're, so, they're saying no mass at all and that they have been doing this. And here's the other thing. We found out that these bishops or this bishop is a former, allegedly former Freemason. We know for sure he was a Freemason and it's now been alleged that he's a former Freemason, that he left the Freemasons. This is very concerning that we allow this at the church that professes unity. Now, some people came out and they were like, oh, well, we didn't know about it. It was an accident. Oh, it was, we had no clue this was going to happen. This seems suspect to me. And especially since it has been alleged that the bishop, the alleged bishop, the fake bishop of the Anglican Church, then went on to meet with Pope Francis. So if that's the case, are you saying that they didn't know that they were going to be here? That they just showed up for a visit with Pope Francis and and they just got an audience with him? No. That doesn't happen. Mm-mm. That does not happen. So what this tells me is that this was not a trip by just some random Anglican bishop bringing his priest to Rome and being like, oh, well, we just want to visit Rome, as many people do. I know my Protestant cousin, they did a semester in Rome and or went to a Protestant school and they went spend a semester in Rome. Rome was just a great place to be. And maybe they were visiting. This is kind of the idea of what happened before. It was like, oh, they were just visiting and the bishop asked, if, hey, can we say mass here? And the person in charge of St. John Laterans just assumed that they were a Catholic bishop because they look like one. And they probably said that they were because they're Anglo-Catholics. So they probably were like, oh, yeah, we're Catholic. And they just said, oh, okay, well, y'all can say Mass here. That's kind of the implication that they kind of insinuated. But that seems like it was incredibly unlikely to be the case. It's very unlikely that that's, in, in fact, what happened. And this comes right on the heels of what, what uh, Tito mentioned as well. That Pope Francis gifted a relic of the true cross to King Charles III. And King Charles is uh, the person who inherited the title Defender of the Faith by his ancestor, King Henry VIII, who retained that title after destroying the church. So these people are, it is a huge scandal. It is a huge scandal, and it has been condemned by the church over and over again that we are not allowed to participate in, in the services of these false churches. But this ecumenism thing is, has gone off the, not, it has already gone off the deep end and it keeps on falling down and down into the abyss. This is so silly. They, they, they knew what they were doing when they, when they scheduled the Anglican service at Lateran as, because you see the list of other, other uh, false uh, faiths coming in. Well, I wouldn't say false faiths, but not exactly Catholic Mass, the, the Coptics and, and the others that have been scheduled on there. This has been going on for quite a while. So it's just because somebody looked at the schedule and noticed and posted it on media. So 
We need, we need eyes and ears out there to see what's going on. Thank you for bringing that to our attention. Yeah, for sure. And Father Murray, he said, objectively speaking, the Anglican Communion Service is the simulation of the Mass, and the Anglican ministers, who is not a validly ordained priest, does not have the power to do what a Catholic priest does when he consecrates the bread and wine. Now, since he mentions uh, Pope Leo the Thirteenth, swing we just read, uh, his apostolic um, constitution, he goes on and says, The scandal is magnified when this celebration is reported on in the media. Furthermore, he said that the fact is it recurred in the Lateran Basilica makes it more noteworthy that the St. John Laterans is the mother of all the churches in the city and in the world. And that's what is inscribed in Latin on the church's facade. Therefore, it implies the Pope personally authorized this celebration. Father Murray said, though, that there is no evidence that he did, in fact, authorize it, which, oh, okay, I don't know. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Now, here he says that the that is absolutely inappropriate to do so. So it's very interesting that we have this uh, happening, was being said. And here, the permission also upset former Anglicans now in communion with Rome through the personal ordinary established by Pope Benedict XVI in 2009. Monsignor Keith Newton, a former Anglican who heads the personal ordinary of Our Lady of Walsingham. Monsignor Keith Newton, is that, is that right? Yes, the, the, he's, he's married. So he was elevated to the position of ordinary, but not given the bishop's hat because he's married. It would, Catholics, are, the clergy are not allowed to be uh, bishops if they're married. Okay. Well, there you go. So he told the a, a register on April 19th that he thought it was an inappropriate thing to do. Um, I would have had a little bit stronger words if I was him. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, Dr. Taylor Marshall, who was an Anglican priest, and he converted to the church and renounced his orders, he came out and he said, this is a slap in the face of him coming over here because I, he said, I was, is, are you trying to tell me that I could have just stayed an Anglican and it would have been fine? And many people say, no, no, they're just being kind to each other. They're just allowing each other to uh, share an altar together. It's not a big deal. Uh, don't worry about it. Now, this is a problem, though, because Pope Francis has a history of this. Mm -hmm. So what did Pope Francis say at a Q&A at the Anglican Church in Rome? It was uh, the name of the church. I'm forgetting the name of the Anglican Church in Rome. Uh, it is called, I'm trying to remember. Not sure, but I, I do remember his, his Protestant, his motorcycle riding Protestant pastor friend in Argentina once approached Pope Francis. He was then Archbishop of Buenos Aires and said, I'm ready to convert to the church. And Pope Francis told him not to. Yeah. So, and he's proud of saying that. So Pope Francis personally went to the All Saints Catholic Church or All Saints Anglican Church where he gave a Q&A. And during this Q&A, this is what he said. He said, and then there is my experience. I was friendly with the Anglicans at Buenos Aires because the back of the parish of Merced was connected with the Anglican Church Cathedral. I was very friendly with the Bishop Gregory Venoblis, very friendly. But there's another experience. In the north of Argentina, there are the Anglican missions with the aboriginals. And the Anglican bishop and the Catholic bishop there work together and teach. And when people can't go on Sunday to the Catholic celebration, they go to the Anglican and the Anglicans to the Catholic because they don't want to spend Sunday without a, a celebration. They work together. And here at the Vatican, the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith knows this and they engage in charity together. And the two bishops are friends and the two communities are friends. 
I think this is a richness that our young churches can bring to Europe and to the churches that have a great tradition. He goes on and says, and skipping ahead, he says, but to send them to sea to learn from the young churches would be a great richness in the, in the sense you said. Ecumenism is easier there. It's easier, some, something that does not mean it's more superficial. No, no, it's not superficial. They don't negotiate the faith in their identity. In the north of Argentina, an aboriginal says to you, I'm Anglican, but the bishop is not here. The pastor is not here. The reverend is not here. I want to praise God on Sunday, and so I go to the Catholic cathedral. And vice versa. They are riches of the young church. I don't know. This is what comes to me to say to you. Now, this is very concerning. This is very, very concerning because the, the Anglicans do not have valid orders. They, have, they are heretics. They are schismatics. And yet, what do we, how do we treat Catholics? You treat traditional Catholics and they throw them to the side and say, you guys are schismatics. You guys, we're going to take away your mass. We're going to throw you under the bus. And we're going to treat you like second-class citizens. And if the, for many people, they, many people have never heard of the Society of St. Pius X. But the Society of St. Pius X, everybody has very strong opinions of people who do know about them. Some people say they're schismatic. Others say they're perfectly fine. Now, the Bishop Hondor... He was a he's a retired bishop of Switzerland. He actually got permission to go and retire at the society seminary in Switzerland. And you're like, oh, wow, that's how did that happen? Well, (laughs) yeah, the Bishop Hondor actually says that he spoke to Pope Francis personally. And Pope Francis told him the SSPX is not schismatic at all. So what what is going on? What are we supposed to believe? What are you supposed to believe? Are they traditionalist, schismatic? Are they bad people? Should we reject them? Or are the Anglicans and the Coptic Orthodox, are they perfectly fine and there's no big deal? We should be in communion with them. They're very, very confusing, this topic that we should definitely bring back up again. But that's going to do it for the first hour. When we come back, we have more news. We're going to talk about rogation days when we come back. What's that? We'll find out. My heart wasn't really in um, my faith. There was more to life than what I was doing. I walked into the church and I really believed that uh, putting my hand in the holy water that it was going to bubble over and the church was going to collapse. And I was really nervous. I couldn't imagine life without being a part of the church. When I walk in the doors of the Catholic Church now, I feel alive, complete, and at home. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question if you're a non-Catholic friend. Was the Catholic Church in existence as far back as the first three centuries? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, baseball. In September 1845, the New York Knickerbocker Baseball Club was formally established and called baseball. Rules were set, including the diamond-shaped infield, foul lines, and the three-strike rule. But seven years before that, in 1775, that game was already being played on schoolyards, well before it was ever called baseball. Secondly, the Apostolic Father. 
fathers, such as Tertullian, Clement, St. Ignatius, all wrote before 215 A.D. about the authority of the local bishop. And they used the name, the Catholic Church, which already had the liturgy, the Eucharist, the readings, the relics, a hierarchy, and jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. To fishermen, a dolphin was just a big fish until they were termed dolphins. But they were always dolphins. And baseball was baseball well before it was termed baseball. And you will love this. The early church was the Catholic Church well before Constantine the Great, the Nicene Creed, and your church history book. Catholic Radio was there for me when I needed it. Even though I didn't think I needed it, it was there for me. I want everybody to know that I'm giving, not so that I can sit there and say that I gave to GRN for any other reason but this. I want that radio station to be there for anyone else who needs it also. They may not think they need it, but it's going to be there for them, whether it's in the future, whether it's right now. I want that radio station to always be there for them, just like it was there for me. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. In your car, at the office, or in your home, we're always here. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. I'm Macy from St. Teresa's in Sugarland. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Saying their liturgy at St. John Lateran's, I kind of wanted to finish up that uh, thought before we move on. And uh, the other the story that was very interesting that I wanted to bring up was that the Coptic Patriarch is to offer the Orthodox Divine Liturgy in St. John Lateran's in a couple weeks. This is a plan. It's on the schedule and it's going to be happening on May 9th through 14th, one of those days in that time period. The Coptic Orthodox are monophysites, which basically means that they believe in that God, that our, our Lord had one nature, not two natures. He was not both divine and human. He was just a kind of a blend of divine and human nature, which is a heresy. So they are heretics, schismatics, and they are going to be allowed to say Mass at St. John Lateran's, very similar to that of Anglicans, except the Coptics actually have valid ordinations. At least that's the kind of going wisdom. There's kind of debate about that. Same thing with their Masses. Some say their Masses are invalid because they don't have a, they don't have the words of consecration in their liturgy. Fascinating. Yeah. Is that true? Really? Yeah. So basically they say that the their entire canon is the words of consecration, and they kind of have it woven through the entirety of the canon, and so they say that's valid, but it's kind of a debated point. So we don't we don't know. And, and the words of consecration are, are, are like slightly different or completely different. Well, they're not. They're not. They're not explicitly there. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So it's very weird. So the it's, there's debate about the situation of the Coptics in general. They're very controversial. Um, many people, and these are the Coptic Orthodox. There are Coptic, Coptic Catholics, and they're 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 good. But the Coptic Orthodox, a very confusing situation. I don't uh, venture to assume that I understand all the ins and outs of the Coptic situation. But I just wanted to bring that up because I, I talk about often the situation that we have in the church is we, we are in a crisis. Like clearly there is uh, crazy things going on. Um, things are not as they should be. And we all recognize that. We recognize that to be true. And because of that, I have constantly said we need to have a wide breadth of charity for Catholics 
who are trying to figure it out, who believe in the Catholic faith whole and entire, but may have disagreements on tactics or to or disagreements on minor theological positions. And I think that that's something that we should keep to. And personally, if there is somebody who believes in all the dogmas of the church, who professes unity in the papacy, then I am their ally. I want to be their ally. And this came up because uh, the Bishop Vitus Hondor, we mentioned in the last couple seconds of uh, the last segment, he has come out making a video talking about the crisis in the church. And it's very interesting because I don't think I've ever seen a bishop do something like this before. And this is an 80-year-old bishop who is in a retirement house of the SSBX, the Society of St. Pius X in Switzerland. He came out and said that the excommunication of Archbishop Lefebvre was unjust. And he also revealed that Pope Francis told him that the SSPX are not schismatics. And this is uh, important because he was sent by Cardinal Mueller on the behest of Pope Francis, the behest of Pope Francis, to, quote, start a dialogue with the representatives of the SSPX. And, and draw them in to normalize that relationship with the SSPX, too. I remember that. That was a surprise to everyone, and everything was going swimmingly well, and they got stuck in two or three big points from the documents of Vatican II. Well, the the important thing is that both of the people that were sent to dialogue with the society, the St. Pius X, was Bishop Hondor and Bishop Athanasius Snyder. And both of them came back from their visits with the society with a deep respect for the SSPX, and both of them have come out publicly and said, well, the SSPX is not schismatic. We were sent by Rome to investigate these communities and to make a judgment on whether or not they are schismatic, and we have determined they are not schismatic. And I think that's important because what does it mean? What is schism? Schism is a sin against charity. It is a refusal to be in unity with your brother. And these people, the people of the Society of St. Pius X, adhere to all the church's teachings, and they want to be faithful Catholics. The only difficulty is what Tito said, is there are a couple things that are very confusing that they would like to be clarified. And who among us could say that there's nothing confusing in Rome? <laughs> who among us could be like, oh, yeah, everything's very clear in Rome. So are you a, are you a heretic if you say that euthanasia is bad or are you a heretic if you say euthanasia is good well because the pontifical academy of life says one but the church has always taught the other so what do we do well that's part of the crisis and that's why i think we should have a wide breadth of charity and this is why i implore people to learn the faith don't just trust what other people are telling you learn the faith you have to go back read your bible Read the old catechisms. Read the saints. What did Robert, Robert Bellarmine say? What did St. Thomas Aquinas say? What did the doctors of the church say? Read the doctors of the church. They will not lead you astray. And these are the things that we have to cling to, especially whenever things are confusing like this. Now here, Bishop Hondor says, quote, In this sense, Pope Francis spoke to me and said, they, the SSPX, are not schismatics. So if someone says the SSPX is schismatic, well, they're going against Pope Francis. They're going against what the Holy Father has said. 
And I think that's important to know because many people will try to come and say, oh, yeah, the SSPX is charismatic. Why? Because they refuse to uh, submit to the Pope. But then I'm always like, but didn't the Pope say that they're not schismatic? So aren't you refusing to submit to what the Pope said? Exactly. Um, so it's a very confusing situation. And I don't blame people for being confused. I don't blame people for having different opinions. Um, but I just want to implore people, whatever the position is, to have some charity for people because we live in confusing times. And I think that's simply it. So check out that whole article. That's out by LifeSite News. It just came out, I think, uh, this morning, actually, or maybe yesterday yesterday evening at 7.35 p.m. last night. Oh, wow. So check out that article. Uh, it's worth reading whole and entire because it goes into the detail. And then uh, I highly recommend checking out the video that accompanies it. It's not in English, so you're going to have to put up subtitles. Um, but luckily, they put in subtitles, so it's not auto-generated subtitles. Is he speaking in French? want to say it's German? German. Okay. What do they speak in Switzerland? Uh, German, right? Uh, German, French, and uh, Italian. I think it's German. Okay. I want to. It looks German, but I don't know German, so I cannot. I don't know German either. I cannot. I like hot dogs and hamburgers, but yeah, I cannot affirm nor deny. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you you talked about this briefly uh, regarding the SSPX when they did it just finish or did they just open their new. Uh, gathering space i want to yeah, say cathedral chapel. chapel yeah a gorgeous magnificent chapel in the middle of kansas oh yeah yeah i, I want to visit that it's a massive uh chapel that's like it looks like a cathedral but it's yes. a chapel um in kansas very cool very yeah. very cool so anyway the i wanted to talk about rogation days and like the two minutes we have left we're going to talk about rogation days so today is april 25th and that is traditionally the day of a rogation day. I say traditionally because it actually the it's a movable feast. So because Easter moves around, so if Easter happens to be on April twenty fifth, you can't have rogation day that day. Uh, so it's kind of moved around. But what do you do on rogation days? Traditionally, you have litanies and you have processions. So it's really cool. So maybe today, say a litany of the saints or of Our Lady or a Saint Joseph or all of the above. Now, uh, Dom Garanger, he comments on this. He says, the greater litanies or processions are so-called to distinguish them from the minor litanies, that is, the processions of less importance as far as the solemnity and concourse of the faithful are concerned. We gather from an expression of St. Gregory the Great that it was an ancient custom in the Roman church to celebrate once each year a greater litany at which all the clergy and the people assisted. This holy pontiff chose April 25th as the fixed day for this procession and appointed the Basilica of St. Peter as the station. Now, several writers in liturgy have erroneously confounded this institution with the processions prescribed by St. Gregory for times of public calamity. It existed long before his time, and all that he had to do was the fixing it to the 25th of April. It is quite independent of the Feast of St. Mark, which was instituted at a much later period. So it has nothing to do with the fact that it's St. Mark's Feast Day, though it's a happy coincidence that it is on the same days. Now, Dom Alcom Reed, uh, talking about the Rogation Days, he says, The observance is now similar in format to the greater litanies of April 25th. But these three days, he's talking about the minor Rogation Days, have a different origin, having been instituted in Gaul in the 5th century as days of fasting, abstinence, and abstain from servile work, in which all took place in an extensive penitential procession, often barefoot. The procession and litanies only found a place in the Roman liturgy much later. 
and even then purely as rogation of intercession rather than as one of fasting and penance, that later being deemed incompatible with the nature of Eastertide. So you have the major rogation day, which is more of a celebratory, and the minor rogation days, which are more uh, penitential. And so today is a major rogation day, so very celebratory. Indeed, this ancient tradition itself is now widely lost in the West. How many Catholics understand what is meant by the greater or lesser litanies, or by the expression rogation, clergy included? Dom Garanger himself lamented the lack of appreciation of the rogation days in his own day. If we compare the indifference shown by Catholics of the present age for the rogation days with the devotion wherewith our ancestors kept them, we cannot but acknowledge that there has been a great falling off in faith and piety. Knowing as we do the great importance attached to these processions by the church, we cannot help wondering how it is that there are so few among the faithful who assist at them. Our surprise increased when we find persons preferring their own private devotions to these public prayers of the church. So what can we do? Well, for today, there's not really much we can do because it's a little late. I wish I would have uh, brought this up before earlier, but here's something that we can do today. Let's do a minor little procession around your house with your family, with your kids, and then say some litanies dedicated to our Lord, our lady, St. Joseph, the saints, whatever it is that you think would be good. And then for next year, start planning something out. Talk to your pastor and do some research on rogation days. Find out the details of how rogation days work, what is traditionally done, what is not done. And then talk to your pastor and say, hey, can I organize this? Not, hey, Father, can you do this? Um, because Father's busy. Father has a lot going on. People are constantly asking him to do things. Say, Father, can I have permission to plan this event? Now, if everybody planned one procession, one event themselves, it would not be a burden at all. So I'm not telling you to plan every single feast, every single holiday, but pick one. And Rogation Day might be the one for you. Do some research on it. Find out the details about it. And ask Father, Father, can I plan this for the church for next year? And I will organize it. I will get everything together. I'll do the research. I'll provide you, Father, with all the text you need. You don't have to search for those texts. I will find them. And we can go through and we can do this together as a community because public worship is a real thing that has beauty to it. It has solemnity to it. And it also has greater efficacy to it. It's why St. Louis de Mumford says that praying the rosary as a group is greater than praying the rosary by yourself. Because praying the rosary as a group, everybody receives all the blessings of the rosary. So if you're with a group of 20 people and all 20 people say the rosary, well, you just got the grace of 20 rosaries. Versus if you said the rosary once, you get one. And this is why it's a good practice to start saying the rosary as a community before Holy Mass. It also helps people to quiet down a little bit before Mass. So all these different things are traditions of the church. They're pious things that we can do to help foster the faith of ourselves and our children and the community who sees what's going on and may be asking, why are these Catholics walking around in a circle saying prayers? It's something that we can definitely start to learn more about and something that we can get back to very easily and something that we can do today. So there's my recommendation to you today. Learn about this. Maybe do something with your kids today. And next year, let's go all out with it. Let's go all out with it. That's going to do it for this segment. We're going to come back with fear and trembling. So you can call now 877 757 9424 877 
877-957-9424. Best number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, 877-757-9424. Call now. We take the first caller. So we'll be right back, Fear and Trembling, right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray a chaplet. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed the chaplet of Divine Mercy daily? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. According to 1 Corinthians 11, receiving communion in an unworthy manner can result in sickness and or death. If communion is simply wafer and juice as opposed to body and blood, doesn't the possibility of sickness and death just seem a little over the top? So here's the three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. First off, in the Bread of Life discourse in John 6, Jesus says, He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him. Note, he said drink my blood. He did not say drink my wine or grape juice. Well, no comment commentary needed there. Secondly, you going to walk? The disciples did not walk away from Jesus over a symbolic teaching of body and blood. They walked over how literally Jesus was teaching them. Also, they did not walk over the idea that feeding on Christ's body and blood is feeding on the Bible. No, no, no. And thirdly, your new response. My Catholic friend, when you are asked, hey, have you received Christ? Your answer is yes. Every Sunday at Mass, that's how I know objectively that Christ is in me. Donnie, what are the mysteries that we pray on the rosary? Glorious, luminous, joyful, and sorrowful. There you go. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. Eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling. And that's the number. So we always take the first caller, eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. Call now and you can be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes. It's a very easy game to win. I have three Catholic trivia questions, and I'm not going to ask you the questions, so you don't even need to know the answers. All you have to do is guess, and you could be the winner. And so all you have to do is call now, 877-757-9424. I asked three Catholic trivia questions to Tito, and he gives me an answer. It's your job to discern whether or not he's right or whether or not he's wrong. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. This week's prize is donated by Catholic Answers. So thank you to Catholic Answers. It's a Catholic Answers book published by, or a book by Dave Armstrong on popular works that vindicate the Bible through archaeology and science. 
The book is Word Set in Stone, uh, available on the Catholic Answers uh, website on their store there. So make sure you check that out. Go to uh, shop.catholic.com to find that book there. But thank you very much, Catholic Answers, for your generous donation of the book uh, Word Set in Stone by Dave Armstrong. But that's the prize that we're giving away today. Well, not today, Friday. We're giving away the prize on Friday. Today's only Tuesday. Got a long way to go for Friday. And so there we go. I'm happy to see it. So uh, that's the game. It's very simple. Every right answer. So each question, you get a 50-50 chance. It's very easy. Uh, It's going to be no problem whatsoever. I guarantee you, you're going to get at least um, two answers right. Everybody gets at least two answers right. Most people get all three but I think just about everyone gets about two answers right. So I believe that you can succeed. And joining us right now is Rudy from San Antonio. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning. Uh, Rudy, where are you off to this morning? Uh, taking my granddaughter to school. Nice, nice. Praise be to God. Uh, your granddaughter, she's uh, going to, she's studying astrophysics in elementary school. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Exactly. Makes sense to me. Makes sense to me. Uh, that means that you have a, a genius in the car. That means that you're going to be nailing these questions. Am I right? It's like if you know who I'm riding with. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, and where do you go to your? Where do you go to church there in San Antonio? At Holy Family Catholic Church. Holy Family Catholic Church in San Antonio, Texas. Praise be to God. That's awesome. And uh, we have to give a shout-out to uh, Richard Reyna and Sean Rice over there. Every time we get San Antonio callers, we got to give them an obligation. I have a, I did my contract. I have to give a shout-out to Sean and Richard whenever a San Antonio caller comes in. Uh, so shout-out to them. Praise be to God. But y'all are familiar with the game? Y'all know how the game's working? Yes, I hear it every morning. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. So y'all know that Tito can be tricky. You got to keep those ears open and be able to discern who, if he, whether or not he is being tricky. So we'll jump into yep. it. Uh, the questions are going to be, I'm looking over at the questions right now, and they seem to be, well, two out of three of them are easy. One of these is pretty difficult, not going to lie, but I think with your uh, genius in the car with you there, um, it's going to be, uh, you're, they're going to make quick work of it. It's going to be quick work of it. I'm sure of it. So are you ready to play the game? Yes, I am. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's jump into question number one. Tito, are you ready? I am ready, Adrian. Yes, not Freddy. I don't know who that guy is, but people keep asking. I know. Keep, people keep calling me that. Freddy, Rudy, I don't yeah. know. All right. The question on the board. What was the name of the council that was held between 1545 in 1563, that acted as a, quote, counter-reformation. Counter-reformation. Thank you. I'm not really good with years, but when you mentioned counter-reformation, the only thing I could think of is the Council of Trent. The Council of Trent, yes, you say. We're not talking about the Council of Trent's uh, podcast. We're talking about the Council of Trent. Oh, not Trent Horn. Not Trent Horn. By okay. the way, his name's Trenton Horn. Oh, yeah. So not not it's not the Council of Trenton. No, not the Council of Trenton. Okay, okay. I'm following. I'm following the Council of Trent. Is what you're saying? Yes, sir. Okay. The question on the board, Rudy from San Antonio. The question on the board is: What was the name of the council that was held between 1545 
1563 that acted as a counter-reformation. Tito seems to think that it's the Council of Trent, not the Council of Trenton uh, from Trent Horn, not that council, the Council of Trent. And 15 seconds on the clock. Rudy, what say you? Is the answer Council of Trent or is Tito trying to trick you? What say you, Rudy, from Holy Family in San Antonio? Council of Trent. I believe it's true. He's saying it's true. Way to go, Rudy. I, I, Congratulations. I, I know it. You're cheating. You're getting Welcome answers you. from your genius in the car with you. I'm sure of it. Uh, I, it's not fair. Not fair. But I guess we'll allow it. We'll allow it. They're in the car with you, so we'll allow that. But uh, it is correct. The Council of Trent, which I think it's hilarious that Trent Horn made his podcast. Uh, the Council of Trent spelled yeah. like C-O-L-C-O-U-N-S-E-L. So the, the Council of Trent versus the, the Council of Trent. I think that's hilarious. Creative. Um, yeah, very. I love puns. So way to go, Trent Horn. Uh, all right. Are you ready for question number two? Ready for number two. Ready for number two, he says. All righty, Tito. The question on the board. Now, whoo, this question. Uh, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to pronounce this word. Uh, to whom does the term. Now, here, here's the word. Laodicean Church. Uh-huh. Laodicean. To whom does the Leo the term Laodicean apply? It applies to people with fire in their belly, who are on fire for the faith, who are proactive, intentional Catholics. That's what that means. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm almost certain, not a hundred percent. Okay. Yes. Okay. That, that's what you're going with. I'm going with that. All right. I wonder if I, I'm going to try to like look this uh, this word up. Laodicean. Uh, Laodicean. 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 I never would have got that right. Neither have I. All righty, Rudy. 15 seconds on the clock. To whom does the term Laodicean apply? <laughs> Tito seems to think that it's people with a fire in their belly who is uh, on fire for the faith. 15 seconds on the clock. Rudy, what say you? Uh, I'm gonna take a guess on this, but I say false. You're gonna say false. Way to go! Praise be to God, Rudy. My goodness you gracious! Nailed it. You got. You knew what the Laodicean. means. I'm surprised because I I have no idea. Neither did I. I have I've never heard the word Laodicean. before in my entire <laughs> life, and uh, you nailed it. I, it's the genius in the car with you. I'm sure she was like she was yeah, whispering in her ear. She was like, "Hey, Laodicean is the correct pronunciation." Also. The term means to those that are lukewarm in their faith or in their practice of the faith. And you and you just, I, I was, it was told, it was whispered right in your ear, am I right? Exactly. 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 Second banana brainiac next so, to him. There you go. Laodicean <laughs> means those who are lukewarm in the faith or in the practice of it. So very, very uh, opposite of what Tito was trying to trick you with. All righty, Rudy, are you ready for question number three? I'm thinking you're going to get a three for. Wow. Oh, that's my hope. <laughs> that's your hope. Then let's jump into it. Let's see if we can get it. Yes. Question numero trace. 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 Which is a which is Swiss for three. Swiss. Yeah. Yes. Trace. I like trust cheeses. Mm. Trace leches. Yes, Ooh. that one too. There you go. That's a okay. Swiss, Swiss food. Yeah, it is. It's a Swiss cake. Uh, it means three milks in yes. Swiss. Uh, all right. The question on the board is, after the end of Mass, 
the faithful must remain standing until what happens? Ah, I love these liturgical questions since I am myself a instituted acolyte. When he disappears, when you can no longer see him, to be more technical, once he's left the sanctuary. Okay. Yes. So you're saying when he leaves the sanctuary. Yes, when he leaves the sanctuary. Out of sight. You can, yes, but quietly leave. Um, I want to add that part. So when he's out of sight and then he's out of mind, then you can then you can sit down or yes. kneel down or, or whatever you want. What, pray, get leave. up and leave. Yes. Okay. okay. All righty, Rudy. What say you? 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, after the end of Mass, the faithful must remain standing until what happens? Tito seems to think that it's until the priest leaves the sanctuary when he's out of sight. What say you, Rudy, from San Antonio, in your little genius in the back seat? That sounds about correct. He says that sounds true. about correct. He says true. Praise be to God, Rudy. Three for three. You wow. nailed it. Satisfactorily done it. I, I would say that Rudy got it got three for three, but I'm I'm thinking that his uh help in the back seat is what, yes. is what got the three for three. That's what I'm really thinking. You, I you think... know me pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> Praise be to God. Y'all rock. Well, make sure you stay on hold. We're going to be able to get your contact information so we can contact you on Friday should we draw your name out of the coffee cup of divine providence. Uh, but, yes, the answer is, in fact, when the priest leaves the sanctuary and enters into another room. So, way to go. You rock. And uh, so then, should you just leave right away? Nah, I'd say that you uh, drop to your knees and make a act of thanksgiving for the Holy Mass yes. before you take off. But that's going to do it for today. So thank you very much, Rudy, for calling in. Thank you for having me. God bless you. God bless you. are going to put you on hold, and Tito will get your okay. information in just a second. And that's going to do it for our show for today. If you can stay with us, we'd love to have you in our after show. You can hop on YouTube facebook rumble odyssey we'd love to have you interact with you directly there and we'd love to chat whatever it is that you want to talk about but if not then we'll see you back here 6 a.m central right here on the guadalupe radio network i would be love to interact with you directly if you can join us in the after show but if not that's no problem that's no problem at all we'll see you back here 6 a.m central tomorrow for a brand new catholic drive time show and remember today Christ is risen. Alleluia. Truly, he is risen. Alleluia. God bless you. God love you. And I'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Today we celebrate the Feast of St. Mark the Evangelist. We offer this Holy Sacrifice of the Mass for all of our online viewers and all those listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network. 
Christ the Lord is risen today. Ah, hallelujah. Sons of men and angels say, Ah, hallelujah. Raise your joys and triumphs high. Ah, hallelujah. Sing ye heavens and earth reply. Ah, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of good will. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory, Lord God. Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, You take away the sins of the world, Have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who raised up St. Mark, your evangelist, and endowed him with the grace to preach the gospel, Grant, we pray, that we may so profit from his teaching as to follow faithfully in the footsteps of Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Reading from the first letter of St. Peter. Beloved, clothe yourselves with humility in your dealings with one another. 
for God opposes the proud, but bestows favor on the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your worries upon him, because he cares for you. Be sober and vigilant. Your opponent, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in faith, knowing that your brothers and sisters throughout the world undergo the same sufferings. The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory through Christ Jesus, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you after you have suffered a little. To him be dominion forever. Amen. I write you this briefly through Silvanus, whom I consider a faithful brother, exhorting you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Remain firm in it. The Chosen One at Babylon sends you greeting, as does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a loving kiss. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. The word of the Lord. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. The favors of the Lord I will sing forever. Through all generations my mouth shall proclaim your faithfulness. For you have said, My kindness is established forever. In heaven you have confirmed your faithfulness. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. The heavens proclaim your wonders, O Lord, and your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can rank with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the sons of gods? Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. Blessed the people who know the joyful shout. In the light of your countenance, O Lord, they walk. At your name they rejoice all the day, and through your justice they are exalted. I will sing the goodness of the Lord. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. We proclaim Christ crucified. He is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus appeared to the eleven and said to them, Go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak new languages. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Then the Lord Jesus, after he spoke to them, was taken into heaven and took his seat at the right hand of God. But they went forth and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word through accompanying signs. The Gospel of the Lord. Today we celebrate the glorious feast day of the Apostle, the Evangelist, St. Mark, who wrote the second gospel. And 
you can tell that Mark was the secretary, the, the companion of St. Peter, because it is the harshest account <laughs> of St. Peter. And you are your own worst critic, including apostles, or you know, being human. And the, the truth is, if you read this gospel, it is a description of the apostolic activity of saints Peter and Paul. There's accounts where, remember where St. Paul was, had his hand in the fire and the snake bit him? And it was a very, very poisonous snake, and a venomous snake, and he, he shook it off. And, you know, everybody's astonished. And, and the, the other time when St. Peter, his shadow fell on someone and the, the sick were healed, or they, the different countries and languages and, uh, that they spoke in preaching the gospel. This is a description of the gospel. And it says, and they confirmed the word through accompanying signs. Those are great signs, the, the, the serpents and the healings and the tongues and all that. That's great. But the greatest sign is charity. That's why St. Mark, being a companion of St. Peter and then St. Paul, the greatest sign is the love they had for one another. In fact, it's said in the, in the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles, see how they loved one another. And this is the sign of the church. The Holy Church of God, the seal of the church, the soul of the church, the means by which the gospel is proclaimed most eloquently, most powerfully, the greatest accompanying sign is charity. And that's why we're in red. That's why we proclaim them as martyrs, not just apostles, is they gave their very life for one another. Well, it's not a matter of just, and it's not a matter of just the end of their life. They gave up their ego every hour. That's what living with someone else is. You sacrifice your pride. And you say, like it says in the first reading, clothe yourselves with humility in your dealings with one another. And the humility that we need for our times is this. To recognize in our times, just like the apostolic times, they had a, a Pax Romana, a Roman peace, but they also had enough violence in the Roman Empire that both Saints Peter, Paul, and St. Mark, they were all martyred. The same is true for our times. There's a certain level of peace and equilibrium in our times, but there's also great violence as well. And to not get taken up with either. Do not get too moved by the peace or the violence of this time, but look only at charity. Look at the charity of Jesus Christ. Love one another with a very renewed passion, a, a great zeal of loving one another and loving the poor, those who have not yet really heard the gospel of charity, to proclaim the gospel to them in season and out of season, whether you have the approval of a Roman emperor or the president or whoever it is who is powerful in your age, because an apostolic view of history is that Jesus Christ, crucified and risen, is the most eloquent and most powerful lens by which you view your daily life. That the cross of Christ would be most prominent. That you don't get, you don't wilt at the, the face of any government. And, and don't worry about strife in the church, too. I'm sure St. Mark was probably there when Saints Peter and Paul were arguing, the famous argument that they had. You know, don't, don't get too upset about things in the church either. Because 
the truth is that Jesus Christ, in a few moments, is going to give himself in the Eucharist to his church and to humanity again. And that is the most important thing. And that's what makes a saint. That's what makes us apostolic. That's what makes us holy. And that's what makes us one and Catholic. Let us ask the Lord for this great gift of being transformed to become the church of God and to proclaim the gospel of charity. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church, the holy church of God, that it may reflect the holiness and the charity of Jesus Christ. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray through the intercession of Saints Peter, Paul, and St. Mark for the Holy Father, all bishops, the successors of the apostles. For these, we pray to the Lord. We pray for government leaders that they may not obstruct Christ. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor, especially the spiritually poor who have not really heard the gospel in its fullness and that we may have the courage and the apostolic zeal to respond to the needs of our time. For this, we pray to the Lord. We pray through the intercession of St. Mark for all the means of evangelization through radio and social media that Christ may be proclaimed as Lord and Savior. For this, we pray to the Lord. And we pray for all of our beloved dead that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. For these, we pray to the Lord. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us for make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I believe. I believe in you. Jesus, I trust. Jesus, I trust. Jesus, I trust, I trust in you. Jesus, I love, Jesus, I love, Jesus, I love, I love you. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. As we venerate the glory of St. Mark, we offer you, Lord, the sacrifice of praise and humbly beseech you 
that your church may always persevere in the preaching of the gospel through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord, for you have built your church to stand firm on apostolic foundations, to be a lasting sign of your holiness on earth, and offer all humanity your heavenly teaching. Therefore now for ages unending, with all the host of angels, we sing to you with all our hearts, crying out as we acclaim, Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, Qui penit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these guests, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. 
Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray. And with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Blessed Joseph, her spouse, the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be coerced to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days. And by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. On you stay, mundi, On you mundi, Miserere no hobis, Agnus Dei, Quae tolis peccatam hundi, Donna nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Communion Antiphon Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, says the Lord. Alleluia. For those who are unable to receive our Lord's sacramentally in Holy Communion at this time, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Father, we adore you. 
Jesus, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. Spirit, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia. Let us pray. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that what we have received from your holy altar may sanctify us and make us strong in the faith of the gospel which St. Mark proclaimed through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Bow down for the blessing. May Almighty God bless you, for he has made you steadfast in St. Peter's saving confession, and through it has set you on solid rock of the Church's faith. Amen. And having instructed you by the tireless preaching of St. Paul, may God teach you constantly by his example to win brothers and sisters for Christ. Amen. So that by the keys of St. Peter and the words of St. Paul, and by the support of their intercession, God may bring us happily to that homeland that Peter attained on a cross, and Paul by the blade of a sword. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. The strife is o'er, the battle done. The victory of life is won. The song of triumph hath begun. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. The powers of death have done their worst, but Christ their legions hath dispersed. Let shout of holy joy art burst. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. The three, three sad days are quickly sped. He rises glory. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. 
be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. It's Catholic, and it's radio, and you're listening to it right here.